Hey everyone, this is Danielle Gervino, and I'm the New York-based life and style blogger behind daniellegervino.com. With a few successful years of blogging under my belt and a background in marketing and design, I'm taking you behind the scenes of the industry and sharing my tips and tricks for growing your brand. We'll chat productivity and design, social media, brand partnerships, growth, and more. I'm dishing out my honest, unfiltered advice and exclusive actionable strategies for monetizing your influence. This is Blogging Unscripted. Hi, fam, and welcome to episode 11 of the Blogging Unscripted podcast. It has been a summer. Joe and I have been so ridiculously busy. It's that time of year where we're at the age everyone's getting married, people are starting to have babies. So we've had weddings, bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, bridal showers. It's just been crazy, as I'm sure many of you can relate. And so sometimes, like I often say on the podcast, life gets in the way. And so it's been quite a while since we've had a new episode, but I'm really excited as the summer comes to an end to start kind of picking up back on a schedule. And I'm also really excited to share this episode with you guys today because it is good. I know a lot of you, and myself included, sometimes feel like you are running around with your head on backwards when it comes to blogging. So if I asked you to find me a blogger who's got all of her shit together and is employing the perfect organizational system to produce her content, would you be able to do it? Because I sure as hell wouldn't. I just, I think about the bloggers that I look up to and I'm like, I don't think she has her shit together. And I feel like so many of us are in that same boat. I think organization is something that we all struggle with as creators and even us type A's who love our lists and filing systems, yes, that is me, have trouble prioritizing for that prime productivity. There are so many organization strategies out there, so many suggestions, step-by-step lists. Honestly, I have seen them all and trying to employ too many all at once is not going to get you anywhere. So the goal of today's podcast is to provide you with the tools so that you can best choose which are a right fit for you and your brand. And I feel like a broken record because I'm always saying, well, you have to see what's right for you. But when it comes to organization, you really have to do what works for you because while content batching might work for blogger A, it is not even going to come close to working for blogger B. Some of you might not have websites, others may not be doing taxes yet, but we're going to kind of cover all of the bases so you can come away from today feeling like you've just got a little bit of a stronger grasp on your content planning and organization. So I want to start off by doing just a quick little quiz with you and talking about type A or type B. Now, I know that often when somebody says, oh, I'm type A or type B, you kind of know the gist of of what the type is. But I thought it was really interesting because as I was doing a little bit of research for today's episode, I kind of dug in myself to type A and type B. And there were a few things on the list that I wouldn't have necessarily otherwise pinpointed to a type A or a type B. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a little list for type A and I'm going to read you a little list for type B and I want you to kind of do a little mental check off of which of these apply to you. So type A personalities are typically people who are high achievers. They're great at multitasking. 
They are constantly in a race to achieve higher goals. And when the goals are attained, they tend to set even loftier aspirations. They can find it difficult to accept failure. Um, Type A's feel like time is an opponent and that they have to beat every day and they'll work themselves to exhaustion. Type A's often have a severe sense of urgency, which can make them a little bit edgy. Um, They can have a difficult time relaxing, a strong desire for competition. I'm like laughing while I'm saying these because this is, it's, it's like somebody wrote uh, like a Danielle's personality down and that this is me, uh, usually self-driven and their stress levels are generally high. That's the only one that last one that my stress is like, I, I, I try to keep low stress. So that's type A. So just ask yourself, how many of those did you check off? And then we've got our type Bers. Type Bs know their abilities and work steadily for their goals. They don't feel overly stressed or pressured to excel. And when they fall short of a goal, they can be disappointed, but they're not devastated. They tend to be a little more accepting of their failures. Type Bs are reflective and innovative and they allow themselves to explore and fail if they think it's necessary to meet their goal. They can sometimes be a little too relaxed and laid back and that can sometimes cause them a lack of drive to reach their full potential. They are even-tempered and Type Bs typically live less stressful lives. So, which are you? Or are you a hybrid, which is totally possible too. So the reason that I share this little quiz with you is because in order to live a truly productive life when it comes to being a content creator, no matter what type you classify as, you must adapt traits from both of these types in order to find success in this industry. So for example, as a blogger, whether it's ingrained in you or not, You have to learn to multitask. So type B is, you're multitasking like a type A is doing. Or for those of us who've transitioned into blogging full-time, self-motivation is one of those things that's mandatory when you're your own boss. On the flip side, part of content creating is sometimes falling short of your goals and whether that means not landing a collaboration you pitched or being turned down in a negotiation and you have to take those failures in stride, disappointed but not devastated for your own sanity. I want to break up today's episode into a few sections for you uh, in order to be able to compartmentalize all of these components without being too overwhelmed, and I definitely recommend grabbing your laptop or pulling out a pen and paper because you're probably going to want to jot down some notes. So the first thing I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about the three stages of content, content planning, content drafting, and content marketing, and how you can organize each of those sections to stay as productive as possible. So number one, content planning. So I want to get one thing straight before we start here. Planning doesn't count as planning if it's in your head. And I know you're guilty. I am too. And honestly, you don't need to have an hourly to-do list if it doesn't float your boat. But as a content creator, having responsibility for so many different facets of your brand, there needs to be some sort 
of a visual reference. It can't just be up there in your head because you're doing too many things all at once, all the time. I personally go back and forth between really liking the idea of writing something out on paper versus doing it all digitally. And so I do a little bit of both and that works for me. I'm actually going to share a bunch of editorial calendar type resources in our Facebook group this week. So make sure to keep an eye out for those on our episode thread. For those of you who might be new to the group, every time a new episode is released, I post a little synopsis, I post a link to the episode, and then any resources that I mentioned throughout the episode are linked in the comments of that thread because I'm a type A and I like to keep organized. So if you're not already a member, you can visit bit.ly slash blogging unscripted on FB and come join us. The first thing I recommend doing when content planning, when you're in this first beginning stage, whether you're planning out a blog schedule or a social media schedule, is to work from the outside in. Fill in that easy, no-brainer type content, and then you can work on the nitty-gritty. So I'm going to talk about five steps here. Step one, spread out a calendar or digital calendar, whether it's paper or digitally, and pencil in all of your seasonal posts throughout the year that you know that you're going to want to share. For example, gift guides around holiday time, goals around the new year, back to school content, etc, etc. Step two, Now what you're going to do is you're going to add in your personal dates. So this might be a birthday post, a business anniversary post, anything that comes up yearly that has content potential. And this may not apply. If it doesn't, then you can skip to step three. So step three is your post series. If you're a fashion blogger, you might round up monthly budget fines. If you're a food blogger, you might do a recipe roundup. Fill in those regularly occurring posts from month to month. And just a note, because this might change, I don't recommend filling this in for the year. Give yourself kind of like a one to two month window on this section. And you can always look back as you go and continue to fill in. But a lot of times, and from my personal experience, I'll start a series, I'll be super excited about it. And then a month later, it drops off. And so that happens, that's normal. And that's why I just don't recommend penciling in that one too far in advance. Step four, staying in this two-month window of planning ahead, fill in any holiday-related sales or events that you want to cover and that you know are coming up. And again, if you're a food blogger and sales or all this stuff doesn't apply, then just move on to step five. And step five is where we get to our month at a glance. So what's cool about this is that You get to this step five, you look at your month in front of you and you already have, you should already have a good, a good number of posts and content penciled in. And honestly, you're going to be surprised how much you've already filled in. And the great part here is that now is when you can go back and reference your idea list and slot in that one-off content that you might want to generate. And it's also a great time here to fill in any sponsored posts. And so this step five is really for filling in the gaps. And the great thing about this step is that it's often the hardest when people are trying to generate like a piece of one-off content and you don't have to feel super overwhelmed by filling it in a ton throughout the month because you're not going to have room to do it. If that makes sense, you get my drift? Okay, so 
Let's move on to stage two, which is comes after content planning and it's content drafting. So planning always seems like the easy part. And I always feel super ambitious when I have a packed calendar and a set schedule, but then it comes time to actually do shit. And I'm like, ugh. Content drafting can be tough because it's really where the bulk of your work lies. And some people like to batch, others like to take it week by week. And some of you might even go day by day. One reason I don't recommend going day by day, although I'm definitely guilty of this sometimes, is because when you leave things until the very last minute, I feel like I sound like my mom here telling my brother, you're such a procrastinator, don't leave things till the last minute. Uh, But when you do this, it's easier for you to say, okay, this kind of feels like too much, let's skip it and move to tomorrow. And then it kind of builds and builds and you're left with this massive to-do list and no execution. So prior to drafting my content, what I do is I utilize something called an idea list. Groundbreaking, it's like this list where you write down all of your ideas. So here's how you can house your idea lists. If you're on the go and you tend to think of things on the fly, you can simply keep your ideas in the notes app on your phone and you can separate a few notes into blog post ideas, social media ideas, and any other way you see fit. On social media, You can also create idea lists and you can turn your saved post into idea list. You can utilize that save function. And I know I've talked about this in previous episodes, but there's, I I just love this and I use it personally all the time and just see so much value in it. You can use that save function kind of like Pinterest, create your boards, quote unquote, or your categories. And this might look like caption inspo, shoot inspo, style inspo, location inspo, beauty inspo, and then save them as you come across posts that resonate with you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to figure out a way to make those posts that you're really getting inspired from your own. So another way that you can house your idealist if you're into keeping things digital, I want to share a program or a website with you uh, called Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O. And what's really cool about this website is that it has a great drag and drop interface where you can literally set up lists and tasks, drag them around into different categories, check them off when you're done. And if you are a visual learner, a visual person, you will love this. So the ideas are often half the battle. And once you have something you want to run with, then it's time to start drafting those ideas. Katie in our Facebook group said... I feel like I have so many ideas that I have a hard time prioritizing which ones to focus on. I'd also like to work smarter, not harder, and learn how to reuse photos or templates and other posts. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. So first of all, Katie, your content planning is how you prioritize. It's a step that so many of us skip. We, we say, oh, we'll just, I'm going to write this post today. It'll be great. And then I'll think of one the next time I'm ready. But then we end up feeling like there's so much on our plate and we don't know where to prioritize. And that feeling leads to a feeling of being overwhelmed, which leads to failing to be productive. To answer the second part of Katie's question, when it comes time to sit down and actually draft, reusing your post templates is so key, you guys, especially if you're someone who really optimizes your post layout and you use like columns and you you format. If you're on WordPress, I highly, highly recommend installing the duplicate post plugin. 
it's literally my holy grail and I don't go a day without using it. So what it does is it really simply allows you to clone a previous post, copying over everything for you, formatting, fonts, whatever. And all you're left to do is replace your text and your images. So no new formatting, no optimizing, nothing. Just a quick little tip when you're using it. Uh, there will be two options when you use the plugin and there will be a clone option and a new draft option. Make sure to always use the new draft option rather than the clone option. And the reason for this is that if you use the clone option, what it's going to do is make a clone of your post, including the URL. And when your URL is cloned, even if it's in draft mode, the original post that you cloned and that's live on your site is not going to be live anymore, if that makes sense. It kind of sounds jumbled, but I think it's going to make sense when I listen to it back. Another great way to prioritize when it comes to your blog posts is to stop making yourself think so hard. I'm going to actually share a post checklist, which is an incredible resource to keep handy, and it's going to take out the guesswork of making sure that you've covered all of your bases when it comes to publishing. So for example, you're checking off things like, did I optimize my SEO? Did I customize my permalink? Did I test my link function? So little obvious details, but easy to forget when you're kind of in that editing mode and just trying to get A, B, and C done. So lastly, I want to move on to content marketing. And once you've clicked that publish button, now it's time to do the really important stuff, which is marketing your content. You have to remember here that while you'll always have a handful of readers who subscribe to your post and are checking your blog on the regular, they most likely are only going to account for a very small percentage of your readers. Getting the rest there is going to depend on how well you market your content. And speaking of marketing, and I'm usually really good at this, but I'm forgetting the episode number. I want to say it's two or three, but we have a great episode early on best practices for marketing your brand. And if you haven't yet given it a listen, I highly recommend going back and listening. So I also recommend if you haven't yet had a chance to listen to episode eight, this one I do remember, where we cover the best practices for driving traffic to your blog in detail, including my personal checklist every time I click publish go back and listen to that. So for that reason, I'm not going to go too deep here, but I will say that every time you publish a post, you should be checking off marketing your post on A, every social media platform, and B, to your newsletter subscribers. Those two are important. And every social media platform has like all of these subcategories to it. So it's a few steps, but they're really important steps. And again, more details on how you can go about marketing on each of those different platforms. You can find that all in episode eight. So I want to shift gears a little bit and now move on to talk about how you can keep all of your content organized through digital folders and lists. So let's take a sponsorship you're working on, for example. You've got your email thread. Oh my gosh, my dog is barking. Hold on. Okay, sorry about that. So you've got your email thread with your brand contact. You've got your deck, your contract, your copy and images for approval. You have your payment schedule, your invoice. You might have a username and password if it's through a network. And honestly, there's probably more that I'm not thinking of. I think back to when my collaborations were just kind of starting to pick up and I didn't have any organization system in place. And I used to get so stressed searching through my emails when I needed to reference something 
or digging through to find the, the deck so I could make sure I was following the post guidelines correctly. Hands down, my favorite free resource to use for digital folders and lists is Google Drive. In the past, what I used to do is keep organized through folders on my computer, and it worked, but I sometimes found myself needing to reference something when I didn't have my computer with me and I was totally screwed. So I switched to Google Drive a few years ago and the great thing about Google Drive is that you can access it anywhere, you can share your folders, and you can see all of your edits in real time. Honestly, it's a game changer if you don't use it. So I want to just share with you a few ways that I personally keep organized on Google Drive. I know a lot of you probably utilize it for your organization and maybe you'll get a few new ideas from this. I'm going to share seven ways that I keep organized on Google Drive. Number one, I keep a Google Doc username and password list for all of my accounts related to my blog. So if I ever forget to log in, I just have a reference 24-7 no matter where I am. Number two, I keep a Google Sheet that charts my monthly growth on all of my socials along with my blog traffic for the year. And I update that month to month. So I have like a little reminder on my calendar on the 30th or the 31st of each month, update blog tracking list. Number three, I also keep a Google Sheet affiliate tracker with all of my monthly earnings. So if I ever want to go back for any reason and reference my growth and my earnings or look into why one month may have not performed as good as the last one, I have that there as a resource. Number four, and this is probably the one that keeps me most sane, is I keep a collaboration management folder. In the folder, there are subfolders that I label with the company, the month, and the year of the collapse. So for example, DSW August 2019. And in that folder, I keep every single document relating to the collaboration organized. So I have the signed contract with any previous previous versions of edits. I have the marketing deck, the unedited and edited post images. And just to note, I always keep those in their own folder so I can directly share this with the brand when it's time to get them approved. I also keep in there the post copy, which I also keep in its own folder so it can be shared. And I keep the invoice. Guys, I'm telling you, it is so much more resourceful to have direct access rather than to dig through your emails. Number five, I keep a tax folder for each year with my returns and any other relevant information that I might need to give to my accountant. When I first started my blog and before forming an LLC, I used to just chart my in and out through a Google spreadsheet. And P.S. Google Sheets, if you're just not familiar with Google Drive, Google Sheets are Google's version of Excel. It's basically the same thing. But now I use QuickBooks, which is a separate software. And so I don't track my income and expenses on Google Drive because I have QuickBooks for that. Number six, I keep an invoicing Google Sheet that also doubles as a collaboration tracker, which includes the company, the collaboration month and year, the brand contact, the due terms, the invoice number, the amount due, a sent and received column, and then a notes column where I'll write like followed up on 810, hasn't sent me payment in two months because they're fucking slackers. I'm not even going to edit that out. Okay, number seven, I keep a master list of brand and PR contacts that I've collected over the years and I updated accordingly. So I've kind of gotten into the habit of adding 
every new contact that I speak to via email right to that list. And it's been a really great point of reference for me over the years that has come in handy many, many times. So basically my life is on Google Docs and I kind of like it that way. It keeps me organized. It keeps me sane. Docs are really easy to share with others when needed and everything is accessible from my cell phone or my computer no matter where I am. I want to stay on the topic of organization through digital files and folders and just talk a little bit about your inbox because Guys, it is so important to have an organized inbox. Uh, I literally get so much anxiety when I look over at a friend and I see that they have like 6,287 red messages that aren't filed in their inbox. And I know some of you guys are sitting there right now being like, that's me. So listen, there are plenty of emails that are not worth saving, but for the ones that are, there has to be some kind of rhyme or reason to how you keep your emails filed. This is going to help you, I promise. So here's how I organize my emails folder. I have a folder for active collabs, which are collaborations that are currently happening, and this stays up at the top for easy reference. Then I have a folder for collab proposals, which are collaborations that are kind of still in the early stages where contracts haven't yet been signed. I have a folder for collabs that are waiting for payment. So these are collaborations that have been completed but not yet paid. And I like to keep those in a separate folder just in case I need to quickly reference them and send payment follow-ups for emails. Then I have a folder for completed collabs, which are collaborations that are paid and done. I have a folder for declined collabs, which are collaborations that I've said no to. And the reason I keep these for reference uh, is just in case the brand reaches out again, which this has been the case quite a few times. And I just like to have them there so I can reference that original email because sometimes it just comes in handy. And to note, I only hang on to the bigger collaboration declines here, not the one-off random ones. Those go right in the trash. Then I have a folder for failed collabs, and these are collaborations which have been in the works but have failed for whatever reason along the way. And the reason I keep this is the same reason I keep my decline collabs, just in case the brand reaches out again or I'm somehow in contact with them and need to reference the original email. And last but not least, I have a folder for giftings, which are just offers from brands or PR companies who want to send over products. So within each one of all of these folders that I just mentioned, I then create a subfolder with the brand name so I can just really easily toggle through. I then, of course, have my personal folders, consulting clients, and other just miscellaneous items organized into folders, 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 folders. Honestly, I am better for not being one of those people who keeps 8,000 red emails in my inbox. I never really have more than 10 to 20 emails in my inbox at once. I try to catch up like each week, once a week. And honestly, if you're trying to get more organized and you're planning your content, put in your calendar, give yourself an hour to clean up your emails. It honestly doesn't take long. And if you stay on top of it, it is really, really easy. Once I read an email, I either A, trash it or B, reply, and then just write into its corresponding folder it goes. So that's the T on organization. There's so many things that can be covered here. I kind of just wanted to try to give you as much of a visual reference of how I keep organized because I think that was kind of the gist of what I got from you guys when I asked you about this. 
I have a lot of great resources I'm going to share with you for this week's episode. And because a lot of them are visual resources, they're all pretty self-explanatory. So I didn't want to go too much into detail about them here because most of them are one pagers and speak for themselves. And just one more reminder, you can always find the follow-up resources. Actually, the only place you can find the follow-up resources that I mentioned in each episode is in our Facebook group. And if you're not a member, you can join at bit.ly slash blogging unscripted on FB. What I wanted to do today was spend a little more time on our Q&A because I received a lot of great questions on various topics and they didn't necessarily warrant like a whole chunk of an episode, but they were important enough for me to answer. And I think we could really all benefit from chatting about them. So I wanted to, to save a little bit of extra time today for our Q&A. And just a quick note, remember that if you have questions for upcoming episodes, the best way for me to keep track is right in our Facebook group. I'll usually post a topic thread a week or so before recording an episode and make sure that I A, either wave the questions into the episode or B, answer them as a part of our Q&A. So let's get started. Erica from our Facebook group asked, I feel like I spend so much time creating my post captions, like to know what process, hashtags, any tips on cutting that time down? So first of all, Erica, you are not alone because the Instagram organization struggle is real and it's devastating and it's stressful and it's frustrating. But I want to just share a few strategies that I use to keep organized. So number one, whether I am doing the shopping myself for a shoot or receiving items from a brand for a collab, I always make it a point while I'm doing that shopping or selection process that I take the five minutes that it takes to add each item to a folder on reward style if you're using an affiliate network like like to know it and you can do the same thing if you're a part of shop style or 21 buttons this saves me so much time when it comes to post and the way that I organize my folders in reward style are by outfit so I'll typically pick one standout piece in the outfit that I know I'm going to remember so for example H&M yellow smocked top or DSW New Balance sneakers. And that's how I organize each folder. So in terms of hashtags, the notes app is my best friend and I keep two types of hashtag lists updated at all times. I have a general hashtag list and then I have outfit specific hashtag lists. So if you're only posting one photo from an outfit, or and, and I'm referencing a fashion blogger because that's what I do, but this could be like one photo from a recipe shoot or it could be um, one photo from a home shoot. Just quickly going back to the outfit reference, if you're only posting one photo from an outfit on your feed, outfit specific hashtag lists aren't going to apply to you. But I keep these outfit specific lists because I'll often post two to three photos per outfit over time. So these lists also come in handy because when I set up the tags for a certain brand that I might be wearing, I can then easily copy those brand tags into a new post. And when it comes time to add my hashtags to a post, I simply just pop over into my notes app, I find the post reference, and then I copy and paste it. And this process, of course, can sometimes take a little longer if you're searching for brand-specific tags that don't and don't already have them but I think that over time you kind of become familiar with certain ones that you use often for example off the top of my head I know that American Eagles hashtags are hashtag AE 
xme and hashtag airy real and i know forever 21's hashtags are hashtag f 21 x me and forever babe and so those are just things that'll kind of stick in your mind over time if you're using them often next tip when it comes to your caption everybody's different and i personally keep a caption idealist but i generate my actual captions on the fly and if you're someone who likes to batch your instagram content I recommend batching in weekly increments. Sometimes it can be really hard to plan your post out more than a week in advance. So moving on to our next question, Megan asks, I struggle so much with when to work on what. Like with batch working, should tasks be broken up into different days of the week? I've just not been able to find a flow that works for me and I find myself working on a million things that never get fully finished. Also, it's hard for me to say that I'm going to write content on X day because I have to be in a specific mood to write. I wonder if I'm the only one. Okay, Megan, you too are totally not alone in this. I think the key here, like you said, is that you have to find a flow that works for you. And that's going to look different from blogger A to blogger B. One thing I do recommend is buying yourself a little checklist notepad on Amazon or wherever. Mine actually says get shit done and it makes me laugh every time I look at it but it also allows me to have a visual list of my daily tasks and there's something about seeing those tasks written out and knowing you're going to be able to check them off as you go that helps to keep you focused on the list and the list only. I always find that when I don't have a checklist I go on a million tangents and so if you feel like you struggle with that try using a checklist. In terms of batching, you can certainly organize your editorial calendar to include planning days each week. You can set aside, say, an hour every Sunday to draft your Instagram captions or an hour every Tuesday to design your new newsletters. Ultimately, what you have to do is go through a little bit of trial and error. So for example, if you try to batch your Instagram captions and you end up spending way longer than expected and you come out feeling more frustrated than when you began, that might be something that you choose not to batch. Our next question, Bailey asks, when you're strapped for time, aka summer, what's best to prioritize? So Bailey, it's funny that you asked this because this is actually the first summer in a few years where I have really felt strapped. We've had, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, so much travel, weddings, just a million and one things that my weekends have really gotten cut down. And when you're in a place where you're needing to cut down some content, like the summer or whenever it is during your year, what I recommend doing is looking to your audience. What posts are they loving and engaging with most? Focus on those. What types of blog posts may not be getting as many views as others? Cut those out. I think ultimately, While your goal should be to have a constant stream of well-rounded content, life happens and asking your audience what they want you to prioritize is a really easy solution. So next question, Erica asks, in terms of Pinterest, how to make those little graphics that you can reuse or make on the fly? For example, my favorites from the Nordstrom sale in collage format. So if you haven't yet taken the time to batch some templates, I highly recommend writing this into your calendar. Creating a new graphic every time you want to market a post is going to take up way too much of your time. And of course, there's always going to be some work to a degree that you can't plan ahead of time, but having a template for your marketing 
is going to help you in such a major way. So there are a lot of ways that you can do this, but the two programs that I recommend using in order are number one, Canva, and number two, Photoshop. So what I love about Canva is that you can make a template that lives on one slide, and then you can simply duplicate that slide and adjust your images accordingly as you go. So for example, when I make my podcast marketing graphic for Pinterest, I have a template already set up in Canva that has everything I need, including optimal Pinterest dimensions, fonts, colors, branding, etc. And my only work when it comes time to make a new graphic is to A, change the title of the episode, and B, insert a new photo into the graphic. And all in all, it literally takes me a minute to do this from start to finish. So I do feel like Canva is the most user-friendly platform, especially if you don't feel like you're too well-versed in design. But for those of you who are more comfortable working on Photoshop, you can do this the same way and just simply save your PSD files as templates and then edit them accordingly for your new posts. If you feel like you're struggling with how to lay out your graphics, as a graphic designer, I'm telling you, Get your butt over to Pinterest and find some inspo. Look for something that catches your eye, is clean and easy to read, and just mimic that design with a few little personal tweaks. Next question, Alyssa asks, what type of systems do you use and when and what do you hand off to a VA struggling to release control and to be more consistent? So we talked a lot about systems today. I'm going to skip over that part. But in terms of handing off your tasks to a VA, I think it's important that you have a solid grip on your organization and templates before releasing that control. I think as with any VA, assistant, intern, it's going to be a learning process in the beginning. You're going to have to kind of train them what to what your style is, how you like things done. And that's just that's part of having that help. I would think about the tasks that feel like busy work to you and that don't require a lot of original creation directly from you. So for example, preparing marketing materials. You're doing the heavy lifting by writing your posts and that needs to come from you. But once you're done, you can easily train your VA to pop into one of your Canva templates, pull your title and images from your blog post, create a graphic and pin it to Pinterest. For those of you who use reward style or shop style or 21 buttons, affiliate networks, I think there are a lot of tasks within these networks that you can hand off to your, someone else. Uh, with my direction, my intern used to create my gift guide lists around the holidays and she would sometimes do a link audit just to make sure that all of my links were current and working. You can also have your VA do your photo editing if it's something that they have the knowledge to do and something you're comfortable with. There are a lot of things that you can hand off. But again, I would always go back and ask yourself what feels like busy work that doesn't require my direct creation. Those are the tasks that you can move off your plate. Ashley asks, what brands should I be pitching to and when per quarter, i.e. how to get started with Christmas pitches and when? So Ashley, this question actually gave me an idea to create a full episode all about holiday planning because I get a lot of questions about planning, pitching, and holiday content. So I think that we'll do that in the coming month, but I actually have a fantastic resource that I've been working on because I've been getting so many questions about holiday content and I'm going to actually be adding it to my digital shop in the coming weeks and what it's going to do is break down each quarter key content ideas for each month within the quarter, including a whole section on holiday content. So 
If you want to see the product, you can visit bit.ly slash blogging unscripted shop. And this is actually, I think it's the first time I'm mentioning my digital shop on the podcast because I recently did a major platform switch. So all of my products are now really conveniently hosted on Gumroad. And if you do pop over to the shop, make sure that you check out my Instagram audit and my rate card template. Those are two resources currently on there that I think that listeners of the podcast would really benefit from. So we are going to wrap here for today's episode. If you still have questions, you can let me know by sending me a DM on Instagram at Blogging Unscripted, or you can post your question to our running Q&A thread in the Blogging Unscripted Facebook group. One more time, I'm going to continue to beat that dead horse. You can join at bit.ly slash blogging unscripted on FB. If you haven't already, make sure that you head on over and rate, review, and subscribe. Don't forget to come say hi. We now have over 80 reviews on the podcast and over 600 members in our private Facebook group. And I am just so thankful for each and every one of you who are a part of this podcast and who engage. I mean, sometimes the advice that you guys give in that group are 10 times better than advice that I could ever give myself. So I'm, I'm just really grateful that you guys are a part of it and you're there and you're active. Uh, last but not least, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Danielle Gervino and at Blogging Unscripted. And of course, make sure to come see what's new in our Facebook group. We have some really awesome discussion threads going on in the past few weeks. I will see you guys much sooner than you waited this time for our next episode. Chat soon.